You're all still here. Way to make it. Woohoo! We made it through 12-21-12. Give somebody a high five and tell them I'm a survivor. I'm a survivor. I'm a... Come on. Don't do that. There is a blue Chevy Aveo with uh, their lights on. And that's not a joke. That's for real. So, <laughs> so if that's you, you may want to go check that out because we don't want you to be stuck out there. Um, all right. Well, you know, I'm glad that everybody made it through the snowstorm and, uh, you know, uh, uh, what, what little snowstorm we had. And now it's just Christmas. Just a few days, man. Wow. Isn't that crazy? You know, you think about how busy our lives are. You think about how much stuff that we have made it through. And you think God truly is with us, right? I mean, come on. We survived 12, 21, 12. We made it through the, the storm. The, the, the horrible storm that was talked about and was, you know, supposed to be so bad. I was in Oklahoma this past weekend, so I missed it all. But when I came back, I saw that there was snow everywhere. So, and, uh, but, but let me tell you, uh, you know, we've made it through some stuff, hadn't we? You think about the things in our lives that we've been through. If you just really dial back for a minute, you think about all the things that God has always been with us through. Man, He has always been there. He truly is with us. We're here today. Even what you're facing now, no matter what hurdle or mountain or situation that you may be facing now, God, He really is with us. I mean, He is there. He is faithful. He has proven himself. We are still here. We still draw breath in our lungs. And God still has a plan for our life. And he's still presenting us with opportunities to accept his goodness and his grace and his mercy and his truth and his forgiveness and his love. And to grow in learning who he is and to grow in understanding what Jesus Christ has done for us through dying on the cross. Through understanding exactly what God has done through the redemptive work of Christ in you and me. And exactly what that connection now means. And how you and I are supposed to live as overcomers in this world. We're supposed to be victorious in this world. Not because of us, but because of Jesus. Because of what Jesus has done. Because what Jesus has already defeated. He's already defeated death, hell, and the grave. And because of that, you and I get to walk in newness of life because of Christ. But here's the thing, folks. I really believe that we need to make our days count and we need to be aware of opportunities that God presents us with because a lot of times God presents us with opportunities to move forward and to do things in our lives that he's created us and called us to do and sometimes we get so stinking busy or so stinking worried about stuff that we miss it. We miss it. And if you're taking notes today, I want you to write down this title, Making the Days Count. God presents us with opportunities. That's exactly what he does. Um, if you've ever seen the movie Evan Almighty, movie about where um, uh, this character named Evan, he, he's a news reporter and God gives him the task of building an ark. Um, and it's, it's a comedy, it's real goofy. But, you know, there's, there was a line in there that just stuck out in my mind that I thought I, I want to share with you. Uh, Morgan Freeman was playing God uh, and, and that was his character and he was communicating to Evan, you know, Evan that, you know, yeah, I'm giving you this task, and I want you to go build this ark. And uh, he would appear different places in different ways to try to convince, you know, Evan that he really was God, you know. And, uh, and one of the ways that he uh, appeared was as a waiter in a restaurant where his wife and children were eating. 
and she was all depressed and wondering, you know, uh, what was my husband doing? Has he lost his mind? He's building a boat. You know, that's just basically the premise of the movie is that, you know, it's causing a lot of strain in their relationship. She's saying God told her, God told him to do this. And Morgan Freeman that was playing God in that movie, uh, in that diner, goes up to her and he begins to, you know, speak to her and ask her if she needed anything else in the restaurant. You know, you need some more ketchup or anything like that. And she says no, and he looks at her and says, well, what's wrong? And, you know, she begins to talk to him and interact, and she says, I just don't know if we're going to make it, if me and my husband are going to make it. And here's what he said in response to her. He said, let me ask you something. If someone prays for patience, do you think that God gives them patience, or do you think he gives them the opportunity to be patient? If someone prays for courage, does God give him courage or does he give him opportunities to be courageous? If someone prayed for a family to be closer, do you think that God zaps them with warm, fuzzy feelings or does he give them opportunities to love one another? You see, folks, God presents us with opportunities to respond to his truth. God is not some magic pill that changes everything in our lives. We need to understand that through Jesus, we are enabled by his power to live out his word and become overcomers. We're able to live this thing out because in our flesh, in our own weakness, in our dead state, we do not have the power to walk this thing out and live this thing out. It just becomes us just trying to be good people or just being people that do good works and good things. But through Jesus, he's already made us overcomers. And now we've been empowered to live out his word and to walk out his word, his will, his desire for our lives. That's exactly what Christ is in me. That means I don't have to be stuck in yesterday. That means I don't have to be stuck in what could have or should have been. That means that today is a new day. Amen, somebody? So I want you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Ephesians this morning and the fifth chapter. Ephesians 5. You know, I think that a lot of times people are looking for God just to simply bail them out of their circumstance. And people really don't want to change. People don't really want to start choosing his desire for their lives. They just want God to be their safety net. And that's how they look at God. They don't want to take the principles of his word and apply it to their lives and get closer to him and learn what it means to love God more so it will change their life day by day by day as they grow. A lot of times they just, when, when God, you know, God is the most real to them is when they're, uh, you know, desperate, when they're at that bottom point. Folks, let me tell you, you don't just start loving your spouse when you're at that broken point, right? You don't start loving your children when they're threatening and to, to do something or, or, or threatening to excommunicate you, all, all types of things. We want to love them day by day, right? And grow in that relationship and grow in that love. And that's exactly the same thing with God. He doesn't want to be our safety net. He just doesn't want to be that one that we go to when everything seems chaotic or everything's falling apart. The opportunity to love God is now. The opportunity to love God is today. The opportunity to pursue Him is now. And to get to understand and learn His goodness and His mercy and learn what He desires for my life and learn His character and learn who He is. That opportunity is now. And he wants us to respond to that opportunity and not just look at God as our plan B when our plans fail, right? Ephesians 5 and 16 says this. It says, well, let's back up to verse 15. It says, see then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. I want you to think about that. Redeeming the time. 
And responding to truth is an opportunity to align ourselves with God's perfect will. It's an opportunity to redeem the time, to actually buy back, to purchase back. That's what happens when we respond to the truth of God's word. When we respond to the truth and the reality of his love, it's an opportunity to align ourselves with God's will. We've all heard truth. We've heard it preached. We've heard it taught. We've heard truth and we've read truth and we've been, uh, uh, you know, just completely saturated with truth. But every time that you're presented with truth, you're also presented with an opportunity. You're presented with an opportunity to align yourself with God's perfect will. I want you to write that down. Responding to truth is an opportunity to align ourselves with God's perfect will. So let me ask you this. How do you receive and filter truth? How do you receive it and filter it? Do you make excuses? Do you think that you're exempt? A lot of times we do that. We'll think that, you know, we're making excuses and we're exempt from that truth because, oh, you know, well, that's fine for some folks or, you know, you know that doesn't really apply to me. And we'll make a bunch of excuses of why we're not going to apply this truth in our life or why we're not going to take advantage of this opportunity to align our lives with truth. That's what it is. It's an opportunity every time you're presented with truth. Every time that you see through God's word, through his ultimate truth here, he's trying to show us in our lives his desire, his will for us. It's an opportunity to align ourselves with it. When we make excuses, when we ignore it, when we want to go, well, you know what, I, it's just, that, that's just too much. That's just too hard. Or, oh, and I, that may be fine for some folks, but not for me. L- listen, truth is truth. Amen, somebody? Amen. You see, the same truth that's true for me is true for you because I'm living my life based off of God's word and based off of my relationship with him and getting to know him and learning his values and his character and who he is. And in doing that and loving God more, I learn how to align myself with his desires for my life. And the more I love God, the more it comes naturally. But when I respond to that truth, it's that opportunity. You know, the, the truth, the truth is, is that we will be known by our love. You know, a lot of, a lot of times uh, you've heard me say that about how we will be known by our love. That's what Jesus said about his disciples. That's truth. Now, let's think about that. We will be known that, you know, that we're the disciples of Jesus, that we're Christians, that we're followers of God by our love that we have one for another. And then you get that charter sales call. Let me tell you something. That charter sales call, I've gotten it so many times that I've saved their number in my phone and I have named it charter sales call. And when my phone rings, it doesn't show up an unknown number or it doesn't show up some 800 number. It shows up as charter sales call because that's how often they call me. Here's the deal with me and charter. Let me explain something to you. I don't have cable television. I don't have a landline in my home for a telephone, nor do I want either of those things. Let me tell you what I do have and what I do want. I have the fastest internet package you can buy from Charter. I told them, listen, folks, you you don't understand what I'm saying to you this morning. I'm preaching a lot better than y'all are shouting. I have the fastest internet package you can buy because when I was living in Arkansas, I lived out in the sticks, and I had to get the internet off of my 3G hotspot off my cell phone because you couldn't get anything but dial-up or satellite out there. Okay? So when Pastor Derek moved to Wisconsin and he saw that there was charter, I called him and I said, guys, I want the fastest thing you sell. And they said, well, that's normally reserved for corporations. I don't care. I want the fastest thing you sell. 
I want the fast. So listen, everybody in this room could go over my house and get on the internet and you would not see a drop in speed because it's that fast. <laughs> I have the fastest internet you can buy. I don't want anything else from Charter. But yet they call me every single month, sometimes twice a month. And they'll say, is Derek Armstrong there? I'll say, yes. This is him. And they'll say, sir, we see that you have our elite internet package. And they tell me what all I have. And I'm like, yeah, are you happy with it? Oh, yeah. Well, what do you do with that? Oh, you know, I watch Netflix and, you know, just browse the internet and use the internet. Uh, really? Well, what else do you do for television? I watch movies and Netflix, you know, and that's about it. I don't have a lot of time for television. Well, have you ever thought about adding cable and a phone? Well, let me tell you, I have a cell phone, and, and, and I don't need a landline. Yeah, but have you, you know, what about that emergency? You know, what if you, and I'm sitting here going, listen, I'm happy with the service that I have. I love the Internet. It's fast. It's very fast, and I'm very happy with it. Stop trying to upsell me. And so, you know, there have been a few times that I've just you know, hung up. I, you know, and, but the natural tendency when you see those frustrating times, those frustrating opportunities, is to react out of your frustration, react out of your emotion, and to treat someone that's not really deserving of it, that's just doing their job very poorly. <laughs> right? Just think if that was your job working at that, you know, at, at Charter, and that was your job making those sales calls, and that's how you fed your family. Think about that for a minute. That's how you fed your family was trying to upsell people on their, their packages. I mean, come on, folks. They're people too, right? The guy in customer service, when you call AT&T, he's got a family. He, he's trying to take care of his family too, right? So here's the thing. This is what I'm trying to say, is that when we see those opportunities like that, we're presented with an opportunity to react poorly out of our frustration, out of our flesh, out of our anger, out of our, oh my goodness, they're bothering me again. Or we could respond to truth and see it as an opportunity, the truth being that we're, we will be known as Christians by our love. So the last time I got this charter sales call, I knew it was coming. I saw him on my phone. And I said, listen here, Skippy. <laughs> That wasn't his name, and I didn't say that. <laughs> I, I, said, I said, listen, I said, before you even get started, I said, you guys call me about once or twice a month, I said, and I really, you know, I know you're just trying to do your job, I said, but let me tell you about Charter. I'm really happy with my internet service. I think you guys do a great job, and I have the best package you can buy. I'm really happy with it. Thank you so much, but I just am not interested, nor will I ever be interested in any cable internet, or I mean, any, any cable television or the, the phone. So could you just please take me off your list, and I would just appreciate that. And he told me, he said, thank you for not chewing me out. You know, he's like, he's like he's, he said, thank you. He's like, uh, sure, I'll, uh, I'll get that done. See, folks, if we'll just take a few minutes to look at these things in our day-to-day -day lives as opportunities to show someone love and to treat someone like God would want us to treat them, it's going to make a lot of difference. You know what? Especially here during the holidays, because some of you hadn't even bought Christmas presents for you-know-who, and you're sitting there thinking, oh, my gosh, what does she want for Christmas? Oh, what does she like? She's writing with a pen. She's taking sermon notes. She likes pens. Oh, yeah. She likes, she's writing on paper. She must like paper. Oh, yeah. She went and ate a donut this morning. She must like donuts. Anyways. Thank you for the kind chuckles. <laughs> The thing about the truth is that do we take it seriously? 
you know, when we take it seriously, we understand that there's an opportunity to align our lives with it. There's an opportunity to actually put it into practice and let it be more than just something that we hear on a Sunday morning or something that we read or some good devotional that makes us feel warm and fuzzy. It's responding to truth. It's an opportunity. You see, when we see those situations to react out of our frustration or our anger or our disappointment, and we look at those situations and we see opportunity to show the truth of God, to show the love of God that has been shed abroad in our hearts, that has been shown in our lives, that has been made big to us. We can show that to others, that it's actually an opportunity. So, you know, do we really take God seriously? We talked about that last week. Do we fear the Lord? You remember Proverbs 9 and 10? says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of Him is, uh, is understanding. We talked about how to fear the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Or an easier way to put that would be simply to say to take God seriously. You know, if we take God seriously, we're going to be more aware of opportunities that He presents us with. We're going to be more aware of opportunities that we have to react the way He would desire for us to react or the way that we're acting out of our frustration. You see, even in our weakness and even in our failures, we need to be willing to deal with the truth and move forward in the truth and not get stuck in yesterday, not get stuck in our excuses, not get stuck in, well, I had a really bad day at work. Well, I'm really tired. I didn't sleep a lot last night. I was tossing and turning. That guy had it coming. He calls me once a month anyways, right? I even saved him in my cell phone. I'm waiting for you, pal. You call me, Skippy. I'm going to jack you up. Sometimes we get really, really angry. We let these things build up. We let unforgiveness, we let bitterness, these things get hard in our hearts. You know, we let our busyness and our distractions keep us from focusing on what really is important. And because of that, a lot of times we're not aligning our lives with the truth. We're simply becoming people who live out of our reaction and we live out of our emotion. If it feels good, I do it. If it doesn't feel good, I don't do it and I don't want any part of it. Or I don't do it well because I don't like it. It doesn't feel good. It's not very fun. And we think that everything should be easy breezy and everything should just be fun. And there's never any work. There's never anything we ever have to go through. I mean, come on, folks. Sometimes truth is hard, right? Never been told the truth. And you're like, oh, man, that hurt. But it was still true. It was still true. You ever heard something preached or something taught and you go, man, that's a hard truth. But it's still a truth. And it still makes me aware that I need to align myself closer with God's will for my life. And I need to respond to that opportunity. Because that's exactly what it is. It's an opportunity. Because God's not just trying to limit you. God's not just trying to just rain on your parade. What God is trying to do is he's trying to help us. You know, I told somebody just the other day. I said, if it wasn't for me, my children would have done run out in the street and been hit by a car about 5,000 times. Can I get an amen, somebody? Amen. I mean, come on. You're like, I, if it wasn't for me, you people wouldn't be alive. Because them kids, they just, they'll just they run out of Walmart or run out of McDonald's or whatever. And, like, and you're like, good grief. It's like you guys are out there just trying to run into a car. It's crazy. And, and, and we look at that relationship between a parent and a child, and it's the same thing. God's like, I'm just trying to keep you crazy folks alive. <laughs> God's saying, I'm trying to show you what real love is. I'm trying to show you what real peace is and what real joy is. I'm just trying to keep you folks alive. It's the same thing. It's that parent's heart that's trying to protect their children. It's not that God is wanting to limit you or he's wanting to hurt you. 
the same thing with you and your kids. It's that same dynamic. That when the truth isn't fun and when we see truth in our, uh, presented to us, that's maybe not the, the funnest opportunity that we go, oh man, that doesn't sound very good. It's not to destroy you. It's not to hinder you. It's to help you. Amen? Amen? It's to help us move forward. It's to help us be the people God wants us to be and us to realize that, wow, man, I need to get that corrected in my life. Man, and it's an opportunity. It's an opportunity to align yourself with God's perfect will when you see that truth and you respond to it. And here's the other thing. You see, when we get stuck in our weakness, when we get stuck in our failures, and we're never able to see past that and move past that, oh man, uh, everybody thinks this about me. Everybody thinks I'm just sorry. Everybody, oh man, I'm no good at this. I'm no good at that. Oh man, I tell you, everybody knows I did this. I get stuck in my weakness. I've never been any good at this. I'm never going to be able to move forward out of this. You know, my parents always said, my boss just told me the other day I was an idiot. I'm starting to believe him. You know, it's just, I, I get pushed down and, and I want to live in that land of weakness. I want to get stuck and I want to make excuses out of that and never move forward. Never take advantage of what God really says about me. Not take advantage of how much He really does love me and how He really has forgiven me and how His great His mercy and His love and His grace is for me. Instead, I get stuck in what everybody else thinks. And I begin to believe it. And folks, let me tell you, when we do that kind of stuff, we miss opportunities. We miss opportunities to move forward. We miss opportunities to respond to God's goodness and His grace. We miss opportunities to learn who we are in Christ. You know, a lot of times we're living underneath all the junk that God never intended us for, to live under. <laughs> and, and, and the Bible says that, you know, it's not because, you know, we're bad necessarily. It's just because, you know, sometimes we're really ignorant about truth. And we don't know. We don't know what Jesus really did for us on the cross. We don't really understand the life that we now have in Christ and how all these things that we're living underneath that are just completely wrecking and ruining our lives, if we'll just rest in His peace, if we'll just rest in His truth, if we'll learn to grow and align our lives with His truth, that there's peace in that. There's peace in the middle of the storm. Amen, somebody? Right in the middle of it, in the middle of your trial, in the middle of your situation, because you understand, I've aligned myself with God's truth and I'm trusting in Him. I'm trusting in Him. I, I'm, I'm, I'm making my days count. I'm going to respond to those opportunities. I'm going to respond to that truth. I'm going to align myself with what God says. So in that way, I, I'm trusting in Him and I'm not missing those opportunities. Because here's the hardest part of this. The hardest part of this whole thing is that we must be faithful and we must trust God's timing. We've got to be faithful. And we have to trust God's timing. Because not only do we have to trust God's word, but we also have to trust God's method. Mm-hmm. What about God's method? What, what, what about that? What are you saying, Pastor Derek? You see, folks, we want it now, and we think we need what we want when we want it. Right? What did he just say? I said we want it now and we think we need what we want when we want it. See, we think that we need to have that now. We think we want that now. 
and, and we think it's going to come the way we want it to come. We've got God all figured out, and we're actually telling God what to do and how he's going to do it, and it doesn't work that way, folks. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. There have been many, many, many times that I thought God was going to do something a certain way, and, buddy, I was trusting God to do it this way, and I was trusting to do it at this time, and it did not work out the way I wanted it to. Amen. Yeah, it's life. It happens. You know what? One time, Jesus walking along, guy's blind, Jesus is going to heal him. He goes, makes some, makes some mud pies, rubs it in the guy's eyes. Guess what? Next time, there's a blind guy. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He goes up and he prays for him. He goes and lay hands on him and he's healed. Well, why didn't you do the mud thing? What, 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 was, what was up with that? I thought that's how you did that. You see, we try to get Jesus into all these formulas. And we try to get him figured out. And we try to put him in this box. And we try to make him operate the way we want to operate. You know, because this is what we as Christian folks do. We want to go out and start a mud ministry. <laughs> we just carry around buckets of mud that have been anointed and blessed. And we've prayed over them. We've anointed them with oil. We carry around these buckets of mud just looking for somebody blind. Bring it on. Actually, we've gotten water from, the, from where Jesus was baptized. We've got some holy water, and we've mixed up this mud, this special mud from where Jesus walked. And we think, see, that's not how it works, folks. We get really goofy and silly with some things. It wasn't the mud. It wasn't the spit. It wasn't that Jesus has some really holy spit. <laughs> that wasn't what it was. You see, Jesus was trying to show us, listen, I'm doing things a little differently this time. I'm doing things different over here than I did over here. He didn't lay hands on everybody and they were healed. Sometimes he just spoke the word. You remember the story of the centurion? He said, I just speak the word. Just, just say it. I know. I, I'm a man under authority. I understand. You've got authority. I see that. I know. All you've got to do is speak the word and my servant will be healed. And he was. And he was. You know, it just, it, he did it differently. So we can't put God in our little box and make God do things the way we want him to do it and how... We want him to do it. We've got to be faithful to his word and trust that he is faithful. Amen? Amen. You see, when we are faithful to his truth, we can rest in the fact that we know that God is not a liar. We can rest in the fact that we know that God is good. We can rest in the fact that we know that God is on our side, that he's for us. He's not against us. We can rest in the fact that we know that greater is he that's in the world. We can rest in the fact that he'll give us that peace that passes understanding. We can rest in the fact that He is good and His mercy endures forever, right? We can rest in that fact, but we have to be faithful during that. And that's not always easy. Not always the easiest thing to rest and to trust whenever things aren't happening the way we want them to happen. You see, and then we want to look at the opportunity to respond to truth not as much as an opportunity, but kind of as our backup plan. Oh, well, that truth thing, that word of God thing, yeah, that, that, that tithing thing or that, you know, healing thing or that, oh, that's, that's plan B, maybe even plan C. And we look at God as a backup plan. Oh, well, we've done everything we can do to try to save our marriage. I guess let's try prayer. Let's go to God. Let's try that now that nothing else has worked. And that's a lot of times how we look at God because God doesn't work the way we always want him to work and he doesn't do things the way we always want him to do. But we've got to be faithful and trust that he is faithful. Here's the deal, folks. If we want our days to count, we have to be faithful to God and trust in his timing because it is our job to be faithful. Uh, flip over to the book of Malachi. I'll show you something. In the book of Malachi, in the third chapter, 
very familiar passage of scripture, Malachi 3, and verse 10 says it like this, bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and now try me in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open up for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will not be room enough for you to receive it. I rebuke the devourer for your sake so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. Man, that's a great promise. We read that, we teach that, there have been books written on it that are a lot thicker than what those few verses would hold. We've broken it down, we've analyzed it every single way, but you want to know what the real core of that whole verse is? The whole big shebang of the whole deal? Trust and obey. That's really what that verse is saying. It's just referring to tithes. Trust and obey. That's all he's saying. It's just trust me when I say I'm going to do this. It, it doesn't say, now, if you give 10%, then all of a sudden you're going to go home and you're going to open up your mailbox and there's going to be a check in there and it's going to take care of all your finances because God is saying, woo, they done give and they trust me and I'm going to bless them. Hmm. We hear stories like that, and that's great when that happens, but we look at someone else's story and go, oh, if I do what they did, I'm going to get what they got. And we look at this as some kind of exchange system, like God's like some kind of Santa Claus. If I be good and I get on the good list and I don't get on the naughty list, I'm not going to get a lump of coal, right? That's how we look at God. Oh, if I come to church enough, if I do this, if I, do, if I have this certain person pray for me, then I know they have, they have better prayers than anyone else. And God is going to all of a sudden do something for me because someone prayed for me and, and, we, and we try to seek out certain individuals oh i know that listen to me folks you and i can trust god just like anyone else can trust god we need to learn to grow ourselves and learn to trust god and not depend on someone else to get to god for us the person who got to god for us his name is jesus christ and he lives on the inside of you i said his name is jesus christ and he lives on the inside of you it's not your pastor, it's not the Pope, it's you and Jesus go to God. That's what it is. Understand, this is the thing about you and him and your relationship and us growing and understanding that we are overcomers, not because of anything we've done, but because of what Jesus has already accomplished. And I can rest in the fact that I'm already victorious. I'm not going to be victorious, I am victorious because the greater one lives on the inside of me. It's just whether or not I want to align myself with his truth and I want to trust in his timing and trust in his faithfulness and his goodness. Do I want to trust in him or do I want to trust in my efforts? Do I want to trust in him or do I want to trust in somebody else to take care of it for me? Do I want to trust in someone that I go to and, 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 and hope that they fix my situation? No, 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 no. We don't put our faith in men. Come on, somebody. We put our faith and our trust in God. And in his word, because we trust that he's good, we trust in his timing. You know, even when it comes to this scripture here about tithes and offerings, we don't try to make some formula out of it. We don't try to make some five-step program out of it where we say, if you do this and this and this, God will do this. That's not what the whole heart of the issue is. God don't want your money. He's not after your money. He's after your heart. He's after your heart. And he's saying, listen, Luke 12, 34, where your treasure is, that's where your heart's going to be too. So listen, that shows me, that reveals to me a little bit more of where your heart's at. You know, the things that come out of your mouth, that reveals a little bit more about where your heart's at. And you know, if, if you love me, then you're going to trust me. Because you need to trust me with all your heart. 
And you don't need to lean on your own understanding or your own interpretation or how you feel about it. But you need to acknowledge me in everything that you do and be aware of me that I'm interested in every part of your life. And when you acknowledge me in all your ways, listen, and you're aware of me and you grow in your walk with me, I'm going to direct your steps and your path. But you've got to seize the opportunity to align yourself with my truth. And you've got to trust that I'm faithful and that I'm good. No matter if it looks like the way you want it to look right now or not. You've got to trust that I'm good. That's called faith, people. It's the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. It's trusting. It's trusting that God is the one that moves the mountains for me. It's trusting that what's on the other side of the mountain has got to be a whole lot better than what's on this side of the mountain. And I'm just going to have to trust God. I'm going to have to trust God that even if things don't work out the way that I wanted them to, that God is still good. Even if I go, you know what, that didn't play out like I thought it was going to. But I can still rest in the fact that God is still good. And I don't give up on him. I don't lose hope. Because I didn't get what I wanted for Christmas. <laughs> right? You don't walk out of the house mad and say, forget this family. I didn't get what I wanted for Christmas. <laughs> How shallow would you be? How shallow would you be? I didn't get... But, but so many people walk out on God. I didn't get what I... Mm, I went to church and everything. It's not how it works, folks. We have to trust and rest in that. You see, he says he's faithful, but he also requires our faithfulness to trust him and trust his timing. He wants us to align ourselves with his truth and recognize those opportunities to respond to that truth. Because let me tell you, when you're on the other side of the mountain, you can see the hand of God in your life and how he's never abandoned us, even in our unfaithfulness. He's faithful to us even when we've been unfaithful to him. Isn't that truth? And we can rest in that fact that he loves us, that he never leaves us or forsakes us. Here's the thing that we do, folks. We redeem the time when we trust God. That's how we redeem the time. You remember when we read Ephesians 5 and 16? It says, redeeming the time because the days are evil. It said we need to redeem the time. Now that word redeem is just a simple way of saying buy back or take ownership. So the Bible says to redeem the time. Who's supposed to redeem the time? We are. The Bible doesn't say God's going to redeem the time. The Bible says that you redeem the time because the days are evil. Redeem the time. Take ownership of the opportunities. Take ownership. Buy back. Let's take some responsibility and let's say, you know what? I'm going to redeem or buy back the time. Now, that Greek word time is the word kairos. It's not the word chronos. So it's not actually talking about hands on a clock time. What that word kairos means is appointed, seasonal, or definitive time. Appointed, seasonal, or definitive time. So here's what he's saying. He's saying, take ownership of the opportunities that I present to you because the days are evil. Take ownership of what I'm trying to get you to do to align yourself with me, to begin to grow in your love for me, your love for people and serving the world. Begin to take opportunities and begin to look at those things and take advantage of those opportunities because you're taking ownership of it. You're saying, you know what? The days are evil, but I'm going to redeem. I'm going to buy back. I'm going to take ownership of the Kairos definitive moments, those definitive moments, those appointed times, those divine opportunities that God presents my way. And that is through us hearing his truth and responding to it. 
When we hear his truth, let me tell you, you are in a Kairos moment right now. Right now. It's not like you're going to be like eating at McDonald's later on and all of a sudden the light's going to shine from heaven and it's going to shine down on your burger and fries. <gasps> this is your Kairos moment. It's your appointed time. Oh Lord, this is it. What do you want me to do? It, it, if you don't eat it, it'll go to waste. Come on. Don't eat it. <laughs> I'm completely off track now. I don't even know. <laughs> a lot of times we want to super spiritualize everything. A lot of times we want to look for God to shine a light down on us or for us to go, oh, wow. And we want it to just be this amazing experience. It could be as simple as a charter sales phone call. That could be an appointed time for you to show somebody the love of Christ and you're still responding to truth. And it's nonetheless significant as something that you may deem important. Because every interaction is important to God. Every attitude is important to God. Every conversation is important to God. Everything is important to the Lord because He's interested in all the details of our lives. He doesn't go, I'm only interested in the big events, so call me when you've got something big going on. Well, he's interested in all, in all the little things too. Just as much as he is the big things and those milestone markers in your life. He's interested in those small details too. And you see, when we walk with the understanding that we're supposed to redeem or take ownership of that time, that means that we're not really waiting on God as much as he is waiting on us. To begin to trust, to begin to take ownership, to begin to take responsibility of the opportunities that we've been given to respond to the truth because it's our divine appointment. It's our, it's our appointed time. It's our kairos moment. It's our seasonal time. That's what we're supposed to do. That's why we're supposed to redeem the time because the days are evil. We're supposed to take God seriously. We need to align our actions with the truth because we hide the truth in our hearts. It's got to start with our hearts. It's got to start with that love for God, that love for His truth, that love for His word, that love for growing in relationship with Him because we hide that truth in our hearts and then our actions are aligned with that. It's his appointed time revealed to us when we remain faithful and we trust him to do what he promised. It's us being aware of that time. It's us making those days count. It's us saying, you know what, this is important. God's presenting me with opportunities and I'm going to respond to it based off of his truth. You are being presented with an opportunity this morning to respond to truth. You're going to be presented with many, many opportunities to respond to truth all throughout this day. Are we going to take advantage of those opportunities? Are we going to recognize those as something I'm supposed to take ownership of? I'm not supposed to walk around the rest of my life with a victim mentality. Like everybody's doing everything to me and everything is everyone else's fault. No, I'm going to buy back. I'm going to redeem the time because the days are evil. I'm going to take ownership and take responsibility of the opportunities to respond to truth. So let me tell you, if you're walking in unforgiveness towards someone and you're really upset with them, and it's caused bitterness, and it's called depression, it's caused all kinds of fear and anger in your life, let me tell you, redeem the time. Because the days are evil. In other words, take responsibility to take this opportunity to respond right now in this Kairos moment to make it right, to find forgiveness between you and that individual. That's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about taking advantage of that moment. Taking advantage of that opportunity to respond 
to truth. Because the Bible says that the truth does what? It sets us free. And we could all use a little bit more freedom in our lives to walk in. A little bit more realization of the fact that we've been made free. A little bit more realization of the fact that we've been forgiven. And that person that you've been harboring bitterness towards, they need forgiveness just as much as you do. And I don't know who you are, and I don't know what's going on in your life. But I do know that if you hold on to whatever that situation is, even if it's something small, even if it's something that you're holding on to that is causing a lot of frustration and a lot of angst in your life, it's going to build up and it's going to snowball if you don't handle it. And God wants you to deal with it in this Kairos moment today. Today. Not tomorrow, not when you feel like it, not when, not when everybody's all smiley and happy and everything's all good. No, 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 no. Right now. <clears throat> He's wanting you to handle that situation. So I want you to take that truth. I want you to take that truth and I want you to do something with it. Respond to that opportunity because the more opportunities we ignore, it, the, the harder it becomes in our hearts to be led by the Lord and to hear His voice because we harden ourselves every time He tries to lead us to do something. Every time He leads us to try to respond to truth and we keep pushing Him away and pushing Him away and pushing Him away. And then finally, we just quit listening altogether. Today is the day to make it right. That may be one person. That may be a whole bunch of people. I don't know. That's not, that's not any of my business. That's between you and the Lord and you and that person. But you need to handle it. You need to get it taken care of. Because you need to redeem the time because the days are evil. The days are too short for us to allow that snowball to grow and keep rolling down the hill. And then before you know it, we're so angry and bitter. Our heart has gotten hardened. And all of a sudden, we find ourselves depressed and living in constant anger. And we're just trying to escape. Always blaming someone else. So we need to respond to truth today. Amen, somebody? Amen. Amen. Would you bow your heads this morning? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You're here in this place today. Maybe you would say, Pastor Derek, I'm ready to respond to truth. I'm ready to respond to that. I'm ready to move. I'm ready to do something. I'm ready to take advantage of the opportunity that's been presented right now. I, I don't want to wait till tomorrow. I don't want to wait till next week. I don't want to wait until next Sunday. I need to respond now to that opportunity to accept God's love and God's truth. I need to respond to that opportunity right now that the truth will set me free. I need to respond to that opportunity right now. I want to do something a little different this morning. If, if our prayer partners, would you go ahead and make your way up here right now? You guys that pray at the end of service, would you go ahead and come up here right now? Let's go ahead and move, guys. Go ahead and come up here right now. <clears throat> Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Troy, would you come help us? Mr. Karras, would you come help us? Thank you, Jesus. Say so you're here in this place today. You say, Pastor, I need to give my life to Christ. I need to make my life where, where I know that I'm saved. I know that my life is right with Christ. I know that I know that I know that Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. If that's you and you're in this place, I want you to come find one of these people right now. I want you to ask them to pray with you and they will lead you in that sinner's prayer and they'll pray for you. Anybody in this place today, 
Today is the day to respond to that opportunity. If you are serious and you are for real and you say, I am ready to respond to that opportunity, I want you to make a move. Maybe you're here in this place today and you say, Pastor, you were talking to me and I really felt that real heavy in my heart. I knew that that was God talking to me when I need to find forgiveness. And maybe you need somebody just to pray with you. I want you to come up here and let one of these people pray for you. If you're dealing with any situation in your life and, and you just need someone to touch and agree and say, I, I just feel like I'm de- dealing with this all, all alone and I just need, just need somebody just to be there and just to agree with me and to pray with me, I want you to take advantage of this situation, this opportunity. And these people are going to be up here to be able to pray for you. So if you need to get your life right with Jesus Christ, you need to accept him as your Lord and Savior. Today is the day to respond to the opportunity that is presented. The opportunity. You can respond right now. You don't have to wait. We're not waiting on anything. Today is the day. If you say, hey, I, 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 I would just need somebody just to love on me today. I need somebody to just pray for me today for what's going on in my life. I'm, I'm stressed. I, or maybe you need prayer for someone else and you just, you just want to say, hey, I know that this person's dealing with this and maybe it's a, a relative or a friend. i just like someone just to touch and agree. Is there anybody else in this place today that says, yeah, I, 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 need, I need somebody just to reach out and just let me know that they're there. Just touch and agree. Anybody in this place, I'm ready to receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I, I, I need to deal with this forgiveness. I need to deal with this, this bitterness issue. Today is the day to respond to the opportunity. We're responding to the opportunity. That's what you're doing. It's responding to the opportunity. Folks, there is freedom. There is release. There is there, there's just so much peace that God wants you to walk in. All this junk that you've been harboring up in your heart. Let me tell you, He doesn't desire that for you. He doesn't desire for you to harbor all that stuff up and be worried and have those knots in the pit of your stomach all the time. Or when you see that person at Walmart, you try to avoid them and walk down the other aisle so you don't have to deal with them because you're still angry and you're still hurting, you're still frustrated. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We're going to have a few people up here praying uh, after the service, uh, just as we normally do as well, maybe if there's something that you missed. But uh, would you go ahead and stand with us this morning? It's time for us to respond to those opportunities and be those people God's called us to be. Amen? God bless.